The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, thank you for joining us once again here for the Shepherd's Program Afternoons with Mike, heard daily here on the Shepherd Radio Network. With me in the studio today, my good friend, John Crossman. It's been a while, my friend, since you've been here. Man, it's been too long. It's been too long. I don't yeah. know why we don't do this every day. Why don't we do it every day? <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe we should start trying to think Maybe that we way should. through. Maybe yeah, John is, as uh, most of you know, a podcaster and a broadcaster. He has been a part of the shepherd his podcast both of them and he has two different ones although there are they are related in the sense that they carry the moniker the crossman conversation and one is just general talk the other one deals more with ceos and both of them are on the shepherd website and you can find john's podcast by going there uh, at theshepherdradio.com click on podcasts and you'll see both of his there along with the fact that he's also on spotify on apple itunes and google podcasts and john's program is always interesting you know more people i'm <laughs> telling you it's amazing man well, you know, I, I I love people. I really like meeting Asian people. And, you know, part of the conversation concept is there are people on there that I don't really totally align with. Right. And, and I enjoy that. It's it's promoting a culture of like, let's let's listen to each other. Let's talk to each other and let's find ways to, to make impact together. Yeah, I, I like that, too, because it is it, it broadens the field sure. of what you talk about. Yeah. And again, some of uh, our listeners, they may wonder why. Why do you feel the need to do that? And uh, on their behalf, I'd like to ask you, why do you feel the need, for example, to uh, lean, Not you're not leaning into uh, somebody who thinks differently than you, but you uh, open up that uh, freeway for them to come in on? What? Well, what's the reason for that? Well, I think that there's, there's complexity of topic, right? Like there are certain things, I see it all the time. I'll give you a great example, is if somebody is... Uh, white and they were in their household raised to be a racist right and like i mean that that's happened there are people like that oh yeah they're they're elitist they perceive a certain way if that person then becomes a person of faith and then they have to like unpack all that like that's a path right there are lots of people that are like you and me who grew up in diverse environments and that's not their story right so when somebody's like pushing against that one white person raised in one way and then there's people who grew up like you and I, kind of working class, white, and diverse admirer, That Those are two different things. So when you start throwing the topics of CRT or Black Lives Matter or you know any number of these different topics, it hits people that may look similar. It hits them differently, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and so, I can see that. Yeah, and yeah. so then it goes into the complexity of, of situations. And I, so I get in conversations all the time where like, somebody will be um, a Democrat and they'll be like, all Republicans are racist. I'm like, come on, man. Like, that's just not, that's, but not, that's, that's actually out there right, all right. the time. Oh, I, I deal with it constantly because yeah. I'm, I'm in spaces where I'm the only white person in the room and I'm promoting really important issues that help out uh, black America. I feel really strongly about, and by the way, my biggest supporters tend to be conservative Republican Christians, you know? So 
again, so why have the conversation? Because there's a complexity of conversation, mm-hmm. right? And so there's certain labels that are hot issues that people really go to their corners, but there's other issues that we can talk about that we can really be about. Right. And so it's trying to create that healthy space. You know, look, Mike, there's some people that you can't talk to, right? <laughs> like there's no way to have a conversation, but there's lots of wonderful, lovely, interesting people who we may vote differently, but we can really find common ground on topics, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's some topics that absolutely, you know, all reasonable people do agree on that we should be able to come together on. For someone who is trying to cast as wide a net as what I think you do, do you get a lot of animus from people that are uh, may, maybe more narrow in their thought? Yeah, I mean, I get uh, I get hate mail, and I get hate mail from both sides. Uh, it's it. I think the saddest ones are the ones that... When I agree with them like 95% of the time and they lock in on one thing and then hate my guts. And I'm like, man, <laughs> you know, calm down. Like we agree overwhelmingly, but they'll just sort of lock onto a point. Um, and I often find that the ones that become the most difficult are, I don't know if they're hurt or they're wounded or they're just looking to be affirmed in their belief. Whereas like, I like being challenged within my belief. Right. And so I feel like, like having a safe, healthy conversation. My whole, my think, listen, I don't do name calling. I don't, I don't go that way. Right. Um, I don't attack somebody because they have a different point of view than me. You know, whatever view there is, like if that's their place they're coming from, I'm like, Hey, I think it's important that you, you know, you affirm with it. I'm just trying to have a healthy you know, dialogue mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. You know, now one of the things that I wanted to uh, grab uh, your thoughts on today and to kind of aim at would be the fact that you are a person, you're in business, you're well-known in business, and I see you, this is the only uh, the only foundation that I'm going to say here on this point. I see you doing it. I see you, a person who you've succeeded uh, in your life, and that's not to say you haven't had problems. That's not to say you don't still have sure. challenges. I know you do. But you are a person that I believe can is qualified to answer uh, this this point. And the first point that I'd like to talk about today is hope. Uh, we all hope for things. You know, we we need things in our life. I mean, there's this uh, human need for security, for friendship, for love. Uh, and then as believers, we all know that we're, we have a hope of, of the next life. We have hope uh, of a savior. And that's a powerful thing. But we deal and we're living in a culture that by and large today, they're not too hopeful. And that creates an environment of negativity. There was a saying that I grew up hearing that we tend to be products of our environment in our lifetime. And if that's true, and I know that kids will grow up seeing their parents do things. And even though this is a, a, a fact here that I've seen for years, John, People who don't like what their dad did or maybe treated them or how he treated them will often grow up doing the very thing that happened to them that they did not like when they were growing up under that. And they hate themselves for that. That seems to be something that's there. So my question to you, my first question on the subject of hope, how do we live? How do you live in a world that is this negative like you said a while ago, name-calling world, and and uh, not get sucked into that process. How do you do that? Well, I think first off, I'd say is hope is critical. Hope is absolutely critical. I, I think that any level of life you live, you know, you're going to become aware of bad things happening to you or the people around you. 
And so having a perspective, a belief, and a hope within you is critical to be able to make the next step. So let me just start with that. The second thing is, is that I think it really goes to like what you listen to and what you're putting inside of you, you know? Mm. You have to remember, Mike, a lot of people, their agenda is power. And what they're trying to get you to do, you, Mike, specifically, people listening to you, is to have hope in them, right? So what politicians have done throughout the history is like, Mike, there's these terrible problems. Be scared, Mike, be scared. And the terrible problems are those people. And Mike, I'm going to protect you from those people. And so you're, you get riled, riled up and you're like, oh my gosh, those people are going to hurt me. But this political leader, insert whoever it is, is going to protect you from, quote, those people, mm-hmm. right? That's hope in a person, yeah. right? Or a political movement. And that's not to say that, you know, we, sh- we don't have leaders. We, of course we do. And there's, you know, good politicians, good, all kinds of people, good pastors. It's just, you're not putting your hope in the person, right? That's mm-hmm. why when some people... When you when there's a negative thing said about a leader, they can't they fall apart because they they're all their hope is in the person, right? Mm-hmm. So you just got to be discerning about what you're listening to and what's agitating you and what's driving you to feel what you feel, mm-hmm. right? I would also then go into we can have multiple feelings at the same time. You know, I think sometimes again people get too black and white where it's like I can be sad and I can be discouraged, I can be angry and and I can have hope right? And I can feel gladness, right? So I think then the last thing is like, what are our feelings driving us to do, right? I always keep coming back to the the, the concept of when we drive throughout our communities and we look at a, a bunch of trash and we say things like, well, they should do something about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mike, who's they? Yeah, right. Like, like we could get a bunch of friends and go pick all the trash up. I mean, we mm-hmm. could do that, right? So I think we have to get to a point of like, you know, what are we listening to? Um, you know, having hope, what is our hope in? And it's not in a person or political group. We have to have hope. And then what are we going to be doing as a specific part of it? There, there are times people say things to me and I'm like, look, dude, I can't boil the ocean. I can't do everything. Um, but I can be really kind to the, um, the gentleman at 7-Eleven I, you know, bought my drink from this morning, right? I can be really kind to Mike. You know, I can really be, I can try to try to influence the world around me and it may be the gentle words I use throughout my day are helping give hope yeah. to people around me. I think that does. Do you wake up in the morning? This is something that I've wondered about you because I know that you are regularly, I, th- I see you, John, as being a bit evangelistic in this sense. You're regularly engaging people with how they're doing. You're, mm-hmm. you're that, that pulling, is that something that you wake up with? Uh, is that just part of your life? Or do you wake up with a desire and let's say an intentionality that you're going to do that? Well, you know, it's funny you should say that. I was actually thinking about this in the shower this morning is the concept of encouragement, right? And, you know, in the Bible, it, it tells us to encourage one another, right? And you know, it talks about, you know, what are the fruits of the spirit, right? Like, right. and I, I read that, I'm like, well, I take that seriously. And so I try to encourage others. I, I actually find it odd that other people don't, you know, you know, I have met people who, if you ask them, they'd say they're absolutely Christian. And you're like, do you read the Bible? Absolutely. Well, gosh, isn't that great that, uh, Mike is feeling so much joy because, you know, the Gators beat Tennessee (laughs) and and let's say that person's an Alabama fan. Like they didn't have a dog in the fight. I'm not asking, I'm not asking a Tennessee fan to to cheer for Mike. That's right. Right. But they would be like, no, 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 no. I, I hate them. Look, really? Like, 
like, well, you're a Christian, right? Yeah, Mike's Christian, right? Well, Mike feels good. So can you affirm that Mike's feeling, like, I'm amazed at that. Like, there's just some level of people that they don't encourage at all. They don't affirm at all. Like, in my mind, like, I'm trying to tell you, Mike, like, I read that scripture and I'm like, I believe it. And I'm trying to practice it. I don't always want to practice it. I can tell you that, you know, look, I, I have in my heart um, a dislike towards all kinds of things. Like I, oh, I can't stand blank. That's in there. I have to like work past that. It's not like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, you know, I, I could quickly go the exact opposite direction, you know? Yeah, right. So there is intentionality what I'm trying to do and it's intentional from scripture. Yeah. So if we are intentional, let's, let's take that route for a second. Let's say we wake up, we were, uh, you, you're part of a Bible study. I know you do that regularly, weekly, I believe. Right. Absolutely. And that's really great. You're part of a, a culture therefore that is encouraging you to dig deeper into God's word. And as we do that, we, we are called now to, to live our lives out, and that means bumping up against other people. We're called to do that. We're called to, you know, we're in the world. We're not of the world, but we're in the world. And so you're out there, you're intentional, and, and you do this. What is your experience now? What would you say would be your mindset about it? Do you get discouraged in doing that? Or do you find that people, even in this culture, even in this day and age, do you find them receptive to your your bright spot of the day where you're going in with your encouraging self? Well, I, I it, in general, I would tell you that it, it works, right? And I'm going to give you a really specific example just because I found this so interesting to watch. A woman who's a friend of mine, and we have very different worldviews, but if I saw her, I'd hug her, you know, we're just different people, but but it, but we are friends. I consider her a friend. I, I care for her. I'd hug her if I'd see her. She put a thing on Facebook basically denouncing the Bible. It was a quote from somebody basically saying that Bible's, you know, it's essentially all garbage, right? That that's essentially what it's saying. Wow. And um and you know, I my friend group is large, her friend group is small, and then she and I are friends, and so we're different kind of worlds. And so I just commented and I wrote it read um, you know, the I I love the Bible and it and it guides my life, right? And the comments were, you know, people were pretty cynical of comments. And so somebody commented back to me and they were like, you know, well, you know, it was something that was really condescending, was something really disrespectful to, that, that I'm studying the Bible. So I responded to the person and I said, um, I would encourage you to consider learning about a gentleman named Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and he, you know, he, he studied the Bible and it really impacted him. And you might want to study a woman named Mary McLeod Bethune, whose parents were, you know, former slaves. And she founded a university that, you know, today exists and over you know, 80% of his students are from households really below the poverty line. And I'm, I'm just with Dr. King and I'm with Mary McLeod Bethune. I, I believe in the Bible. The person did not respond like that. Like it just shut the conversation down. So mm. I didn't hate on them. I wasn't hating on them. I was just saying, you know, I'm, I'm embracing this because look, I, they're not going to attack Martin yeah. King Jr. Right. Right. So, so then somebody else commented and they're like, well, I just don't understand uh, how you can't just, how you need a book to be a good person. And so I commented back and I said, please, please don't be condescending to me. Um, you know, I, I respect that you don't read the Bible and, 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 uh, you know, that's who you are. I'm saying I do and I enjoy it and it helps me and, and it helps people like Dr. King. And Mary. They didn't sit back like, well, um, uh, I didn't mean to be condescending. I'm sorry you took it away. 
took it that way, <laughs> right. which is, again, kind of an <laughs> insult as well. I'm sorry if you feel like I offended you. <laughs> right. And so then I replied by saying, I said, um, well, I said, I just think it's important to be kind and try to be loving and, and patient with people. And then I wrote one more comment and I said, I, I do need the Bible to be a good person. Yeah. Like, no, and I'm not going to end a whole definition of what is good, right? But my point is, like, uh, there was no other comments. It kind of shut the whole thing down. And so I didn't want to get sucked into an argument about, you know, you know, those these talking points we could get into and people would, you would just end up going back and forth. I was just really trying to come from a place of being kind, encouraging, and opening up that dialogue. Because I could tell by the tenor of the comments was, what are they talking about? They're talking about Ron DeSantis. You know, they're just trying to insult any, you know, conservative, Republican, Christian that's in power. They're, that's what they're trying to attack. And so when I like move the conversation over to, well, what about black women in power? What about black men in power? Like, you know, you know, like there are other, you know, they're not going to attack them. And so I'm like, guys, this is a greater conversation. Like, look, if you don't politically agree with Ron DeSantis, well, that's your right. And if you want to post on your phone, that's your right. But jeepers, my creepers, to be publicly condescending of all people of faith, all people of faith, yeah, we're yeah. all idiots, you know, like, wow, that's really, you know, harsh. So I was just trying to find a place to connect. And I, I felt really good about that. I hope it got them to think a little bit about being kind. When you come up with people like that, that are that opposing and make those kinds of statements mm-hmm. on social media, or maybe they make them at the 7-Eleven or wherever it is that you go, uh, do you find it often that when you kind of push back like you like you would do with that kind of a comment that you did on social media, do they do most of them do what this person did where they just shut up or don't do yeah. it? Or, or yeah, I, 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 I really try to be, I try to be kind. Like, look, I don't, I don't, I don't fall for the trap of whatever the dialogue is. I try really hard to affirm other people. Thank you. Like, mm-hmm. thank you for you know what you're saying. And then saying, I respect where you're coming from. Because to me, it sets up the situation of like, if someone's reading it, it's like, wow, he's respecting their different point of view. They're not respecting his point of view. Yeah. Right. And so to me, it's like, that gives more credibility to what I'm saying. Um, you know, most people, I don't, I think most people, Mike, don't want to think that hard. I think they just want to be like, well, uh, Republicans are racist. And so I'm like, well, I'm a Republican and I work on civil rights issues every day. You know, I would hope an intelligent, curious, open-minded person would be like, huh, well, tell me more about that. And then we can have a dialogue. But I go back to my original statement. A lot of times it's about, it's about power. And so that they they feel threatened. And, And by the way, both sides do this. I'm not trying to pick on Democrat. Like it's both sides, but it's like an open dialogue. Like, look, could someone be a Democrat and be a patriot? Well, sure. Absolutely. They can, you know, like could someone be a Democrat, be a Christian. Absolutely. Right. Like, and there's space to be able to have that conversation. We just need to to do that in kindness. And I think also the I statements, like this is what I believe, not Mm -hmm. you attacking, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, let's pick up on that because that's going to lead us into how you manage all of this as a businessman, yeah, and that carries along with it its own little, uh, let's say, risks because you are in business, yeah. and a lot of times the way we treat these kinds of issues, it, it will affect the bottom line. So we got to watch out for that, according to some people. So let's find out more. My friend John Crossman is my guest. We'll be right back. This is Afternoons with Mike. You're on the Shepherd. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? 
Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. John Crossman is in the studio with me today, and we're talking about hope, and we've been talking about how we reach out to people in, in a culture. I, I think we it's not really too harsh to say uh, many around us are hopeless. Uh, a lot could a lot of the culture feels hopeless. I tell you, John, there's nothing to me more heartbreaking than when I look at this Kensington neighborhood in Philadelphia, the the video that comes from there, where there is such openness of drug use and this zombie drug that's out there that's just leaving so many people in a major city. Now, when you see this, you you would think that should be in some third world country, but instead it's in one of the leading cities in, in the United States. And it doesn't seem like it's getting any better. It seems like it's getting worse. Mm -hmm. And many people look at this and then they look to government. I, I think it's fair to say, see if you would agree with this, that many people expect their answers to come from the government instead of being like what you said while ago, if you see trash on the highway, maybe it's your role to pick it up. We have this tendency to kind of be expecting uh, the government to jump in and fix all these problems. And we're seeing examples to where, uh, in the words of Ronald Reagan, I I never will forget him saying this. He said, it's not that government is the answer. He said, government's the problem. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that's true, isn't it? Yeah, well, sometimes government just gets too big, and if the expectation is, again, they, the spaceless person, is going to fix and address this issue, then it's never going to get addressed, right? Yeah. So, and again, like that can get overwhelming, so we're, let's come back to what, what we do in our own community. Like, what can we do in our own environment, and how can we help, you know? Right. Um, th- there's a place where I walk my dog, Pepper, all the time, and it goes by a school, and uh, there was a ton of garbage there, and it was making me crazy, and so I actually reached out to the principal and I said, I'm happy to like pay to have some people volunteer and coordinate to clean up and pick up all the garbage. And they contacted me like, oh no, we're, we're getting that done. And it got done. But to me, it's like when we're in community and we're thinking, putting our thoughts of what's right around us and then what specifically we can do. And, you know, sometimes somebody might say, well, John, that's great, but I, but I physically can't do that or I don't have the means to do it. Well, you know what? I can almost guarantee you that somebody is and like be a cheerleader for them, mm-hmm. right? And that could mean writing a check. It could be just cheering them on. You know, it could be like finding groups that are doing the work that needs to be done um, and then affirming them on Facebook and blowing them up and raising awareness, right? Yeah. I mean, how many times, Mike, have you and I met people together that were both stunned at the outstanding their work? You know, Kenneth Clark, right? Right. Like he's out oh, there, yeah. right? Like he's doing oh, it. Goodness. Like, well, let's, yeah. let's tell his story and let's help promote him. You know, he has a heart for these kids that are growing up without a dad and without, you know, they're, they're 
in a situation again, an environment where it's rough. And when you don't have a dad, when you don't have a mentor in your life that you look up to, you're going to find that somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening today, isn't it? Right. People, people are getting their their uh, inspiration. <laughs> it's hard to use that word in this context, but it's true. They get whatever they, they're going to aim toward from somebody else. They, they're going to get it from someplace. Well, I, look, people will grab me all the time and quietly and they'll say to me like, isn't, you know, a big issue in our community, the number of black men being raised in households without fathers, right? And I'll be like, yes. Now, don't you think it's important that we promote Bethune-Cookman FAMU, where we, if we can get those young black men into college, they have really great role models. And I've had people look at me and go, oh, wow, that makes sense. Like, yeah, that's why I've been talking yeah. about this for the last 20 years, right? right? <laughs> so let's work on that. That's something we can do. It is something we can do, and and that that brings up now to topic number two, and that's how this whole thing of hope and how you as a person who is in business, how do you how do you function in a culture like ours today, where boy there are economic signs, let's say, every day that are just downward. They are, I think of. Uh, I think of uh, depression as a word that could use to a lot of people in business. They, mm-hmm. they just feel a malaise. They feel like, uh, you know, you, inflation's shrinking what we do buy, and it's shrinking our ability to buy it. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you stay positive? How do you stay up in a time like this? <laughs> well, because, look, I, I, I was raised in environments with very little financial means, and you know, I've told this story before. When I graduated from college, uh, right when I got home from college, I had the mail and there was a letter in it. It was a, a bill for um, $23 to renew my license tag or something like that. I didn't have the money, Mike. I did not have $23 in my bank account. And the next letter open was from my Uncle Paul, who gave me $25 for graduating college. So I used <laughs> wow. that $25 yeah. to pay that bill. So, you know, I have personally very much a large part of my life had sat back and like, I I don't know how I'm going to pay these bills. Right. And I remember I went through, I got a job and six months later in, this is back in 1993, 94, and it got purchased by another company. I remember an old grumpy old guy in the company's like, yeah, you're probably going to lose your job. You know, you're not going to make it. Yeah. You know, okay. Right. So I, I have heard this type of message my entire career. I, I feel like for 30 years working, I've had somebody say to me, I think we're on the verge of a collapse. I think the verge of, like always, always, always. And I've been through some bad, bad ones, right? Yeah, yeah. The thing about it is, is that all cycles go up and all cycles go down, right? They do, right? So whenever it's up, it's going to come down. It always does, right? And, you know, obviously, well, I'd say this, a lot of times your business can grow the most when things go down. Like that's a big moment. Like you need to know, people need to know that they can count on you mm-hmm. and great leaders uh, in all areas separate themselves in downturns. You know, it's like everyone's running out of the building and the firemen are running in. That's why people love firemen because they go and do hard stuff during hard times. First responders. Right. And yeah. so in a business standpoint, look, if, if things go way south and people are freaking out and they're thinking, how do I save the value of my real estate properties? Well, I hope you turn to the the smart, hardworking, safe, conservative, boring guy <laughs> that you can trust. And that's me. Mm-hmm. Right. So Look, I want to be there for people when times are good. I'm going to I will absolutely be there when times are tough. And that even says if they call me and they're like, like, John, this is so hard on my mental health. And I'm like, hey, me too. And let's work on that together. So I, I, 
there's always going to be a down, like that's, that's always forever coming. Right. And so to me, it's more about a stability across the board. I got asked Mike, um, I don't know, a few years ago, uh, to be speak at a CEO group. This was pre COVID and it was, uh, how to prepare for an economic meltdown. Cause that's what they were, they were saying then. <laughs> yeah. And this is like 2019 or something, whatever it was. And so I was looking at this group of CEOs and I said, look, I'm, I'm not your financial planner. I'm not your accountant. I'm not your lawyer. So let's skip all that. I said, here's my first advice. If you think things are going to go really bad, get a physical, get an annual physical, make sure you understand physically where you're at. Right. Um, have access to a, to a counselor or a therapist, you know, like I really sort of focused on that side of things of how to be prepared because on the physical side. Yeah. And the physical, the spiritual, the mental health, uh, all of those aspects, because you, you will have tough times and you could get through them you need to make sure you have the skill sets to get through them, right? Do you see this being different for believers who are called to by God to not be anxious over anything? Do you see that being any different, or is this advice for believers as well? I, I think I think it's both, but I also think that um, any of us can fall victim to it. You know, I I. I had a friend of mine recently and he was saying like, man, John, you seem to have a disproportionate amount of friends who suffer than I do. And I, I didn't want to be a jerk about, about my response <laughs> well, to him. kind of a hard thing. Well, <laughs> but I think what happens is I'm more aware of people suffering than he is. This other guy is, Okay, you know, yeah. like he's an engineer and I think he's sort of more focused on how things work than the human side of it. And so I tend to be more aware of it. At the same time, I think all the human condition is one that we feel anxiety. I think the human condition, look, it says in the Bible, because the Bible you know, teaches on things that knows our hearts and then trying to help us, you mm-hmm. know, trying to help mm-hmm. work away from that. I think a small level of anxiety can be good. It helps us focus. But if it's too much, it can, can become toxic. But there's also lessons to like what's what's pushing that anxiety inside of us, right? Like, again, if, if it's getting us more focused, like if you you're a college student, you feel anxiety about your exams. Well, you need to go to the, to the library, you know, and study yeah, like that can be right. a good thing. But if it's overwhelming us, why is it overwhelming us? And, and, and Mike, you know, a lot of times why it's overwhelming us is, is fear. You know, if, if we're afraid, some people are like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> what if every, every leader in a country, this country becomes Democrat or but they become communist or some crazy. And I'm like, yeah, no, that would be bad, right? At the same time, guys, like as Christians, we've survived everything. You know, you know, I mean, we have Christian friends and family around the world that are in all kinds of regimes. Like take it easy, guys. Like, you know, we need to have hope and keep doing who we are and 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 doing the best we can, but if bad things happen or things that are are a different belief than we have, um that's not necessarily bad. Yeah. Right. Right. Now, going back to that CEO group that you were talking to and you. So the first thing you told them was get a physical, get ready, do what you can do to be more physically prepared for what's going on. What would what was the next thing you told them? Oh, the next thing was having a counselor, uh, like like access to a counselor. And and the reason why I say that is that uh, this is the analogy I use. If you. if you were going to play in the NFL, let's just say, Mike, Ooh. you're you're a 21 year old, yeah. and you know you're you're going to top recruit. Um, you know that the that playing the NFL, if you play one full season, there's a hundred percent chance of injury. You, you may just miss one play on one practice, right? But at some point, you're going to have something, a yeah. bruise. I mean, something or whatever. It's a hundred percent. If you're going to be in the game, you're going to get hit. You're going to get hit. That's just yeah. part of it. Would you go play for an NFL team that had no medical staff? 
And the answer is no, that's ridiculous. Like, you know, the young man that, you know, died in the game, you right. know, uh, after his name escapes me, but um, you know, that was medical staff that was prepared, right? It makes you feel good if you're an NFL player. Gosh, if I had a catastrophic medical issue, mm-hmm. there's first class people here that are ready, right? Right. He died, his heart stopped, but they got it going. Right, right, right. I mean, he was, it was bad. I mean, that's like the worst case scenario you can possibly imagine. So the point being is this, is that you don't want to find yourself in a emotional crisis and not know how to, how to go to the, the ER, the figurative ER, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Like, and so if you find yourself like, oh my gosh, I need to lay off, you know, half my staff and you're freaking out about it. You know, you need to be able to have like business advisors who can give you good counsel through that. But you also need to have emotional advisors who have empathy and can help you kind of work through those feelings. I think sometimes we put too much pressure on pastors. You know, like when you think about a pastor and a pastor um, teaching on um, a sermon, you know, like they they are theologically trained, like they're better at teaching something that than I than I would be. And so like, I want to hear that, right? Some pastors have training and counseling. Some of them are high empathetic and and they'll be there for you, but some aren't, they don't have that training. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, you don't, you don't go to your pastor because you have a toothache, you go to a dentist. Right. And so when you think about the list of resources you have, like you might be like, John, I don't really feel like I need a counselor. Well, you probably don't. Um, except if all of a sudden you find yourself in a bad spot, you want to know like, Oh, I'm going to call Jim Keller at cares counseling, or I'm going to call Laura Bravo, or I'm going to call, you know, any number of these wonderful counselors that live in our community you just already are set up in their system so that you could go see them if you need them. Right. You know, and maybe it's just you talking out what you're feeling or you're learning about the concept of journaling or learning about these other things, but it's having the system around you. Now your deal in the business of real estate as a developer, and you, you are in a lot of these, what I would consider to be pretty uh, complex business deals. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not just going and buying, you know, something like uh, a, uh, an item at a store. I mean, right. you're, you're talking about something that a, a lot of people to make one of these deals, it, it takes a lot of people to getting together. There are mm-hmm. the, there's the legal side, there's the real estate side. Uh, is this, how does, how do you keep that from being overwhelming in this day? Um, you know, one of the things about business is you don't have to have all the answers. What you need is access to people that do. So I think that you can overwhelm yourself if you feel like I need to do everything, everything everywhere all at once, right? But the reality is, is that if you have a really strong attorney, you have a really strong accountant, you have a really strong, you know, um, you know, financial advisor, you can have a team of people yeah. that you can get access to. And you don't have to feel this overwhelming burden on every topic, right? I, th- I get the, uh, I think of when I hear you say that, the, the Bible verse that says, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Yeah. So that's really true in in your business. Well, and that's why, look, when we talk about the concept of diversity, one of the things I always talk about is like the diversity of thought, right? Like if you're a corporation and everybody in your board of directors has an MBA from the same three Ivy League schools, and and they may be different genders and they may be different races, but they all work with the same private schools. They all went the same Ivy League schools. They don't say MBA programs. And those are all outstanding programs. There's no disrespect to them. But if you don't have a diversity of thought, you know, in the room that may lack a perspective of your customer, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm a big uh, proponent of Florida A&M College of Law. You know, there's a lot of people that graduate from high school, they go to college and then life happens and whatever, and they may go back to law school in their 40s. And so some people will, I've had lawyers tell me like, we only hire graduates from the University of Florida. Okay, well, you know, the kid that got straight A's through high school and college and they went to law school at 22 and then they graduate at, you know, 25 and they're a lawyer and they never made a B. That kid has value, of course, 
But when you have it, when you're in a courtroom and the jury is like middle America, like, don't you think it might be good to have a lawyer that's went to public school mm-hmm. and maybe had some life experience and maybe has a kid and maybe has been through a divorce. Maybe they've been through some life and it makes you real and connecting. So that diversity of thought, right? So having multiple, you know, advisors is wise. And then the diversity of those, like having somebody look, if you and I could go back in time 30, 40 years and you and I were just dumped in the, uh, the boardroom of Sears, you know, what I would be saying is let's hire some really sharp 28 year olds, mm-hmm. right? right? Like having younger yeah. people. Uh, on the other side, I've seen young corporations were like, oh my gosh, Mike, they should hire somebody like you, <laughs> you know, having somebody, somebody old. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I, I knew a young, I would say young executive. And I remember walking to his office and it was down a long yeah. dark hallway a solid wooden door turn that door look to the left extremely attractive assistant and then another door behind him and then went into his office and i remember thinking if somebody tried to get me that office i would run screaming out through the wall like a cartoon character like the shape of my body <laughs> like i would not do that mike this is no surprise that executive had an affair with that woman got fired then the whole thing went oh, down from there yeah, right yeah, yeah. but like an older guy like a young guy might go, oh, this is how you do this. But older guys are like, no, <laughs> nope, nope, yeah, that you don't yeah. do that. But again, it's that diversity of thought. It's having more advisors and people to help give you perspective. Yeah. And I have a, a ridiculous amount of that. And, and it's really helped my life. Well, that's great. I mean, when you surround yourself with people that are, are full of integrity in them, their own lives, that doesn't mean they're perfect. Mm-hmm. but they are aiming them, their life at doing the right thing. It really makes a big difference in how well you're going to do. So we got just enough time for this last question before we have to take a break, John. Uh, the, the, uh, the fact that we're looking at 2024 now, right down the tube, I mean, it's almost here. We're three quarters of the way done with this year. Next year is a big election year. What do you see happening with the American, let's say, uh, mindset as we go into this with regards to hope, with regards to business? How is this going to impact us? You got one minute. <laughs> Answer that in one minute, In my one friend. minute, I would be like, guys, look, um, a lot of times in life, what people don't take into, into thought process is the, is the punch and the counterpunch. You know, when Walmart was ramping up, people were like, Walmart's going to destroy everybody. I'm like, yeah, but then people are going to do business around them, right? Amazon ramps up. Oh, they're going to. And so my whole thing is like, look, whatever it is, you know, some people, the thought of having a Republican president, they, that creates hopelessness for them. For others, a Democrat president creates hopelessness for them. Guys, it's going to be okay. Like, e- either way, it's not the end of the world, right? Look, if you're a Republican, you live through eight years of Obama. If you're a Democrat, you live through four years of Trump. Whoever it's going to be, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And even if it's your own personal worst case scenario, pivot, pivot, like move your business, yeah. move your church, like move to what needs to get done. That's okay. All right. There you heard it. We're going to be all right. John Crossman's my guest. I'll be back with him for one more segment. This is Afternoons with Mike and you're on The Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. 
With me today, John Crossman. John is a businessman. He is part of the podcasting world with two different podcasts. One of them is called The Crossman Conversation, and he has guests from all walks of life on that, talking about things that are relevant and pertinent to us all. Then the second program is the CEO edition, and it is obviously more aimed at business and in particular those that are leading businesses uh, in the position of a, a chief executive officer. And he's had a number of those who are, I find are just amazingly wise and so interesting. You can find all of John's programs on the Shepherd website at theshepherdradio.com. You can also find his podcast by searching it out, The Crossman Conversation and the Crossman Conversation CEO edition by going to Spotify or Google Podcasts or iTunes. It's there for you. Again, you can also find them always on the Shepherd website. So John is a friend here to our ministry. We happen to work together in the same building. I get to see him regularly, and it is wonderful to be able to produce his shows, his podcasts that he puts out. And uh, so I get to be the little fly on the wall when you have all these conversations. And, you know, we're talking about, uh, during the break, we were talking about what we ended up uh, discussing, like in this day and age, you know, the worst thing, a lot of people were saying, this is going to be the most important election in our lifetime. That kind of hyperbole uh, is is often said, isn't it? We're yeah. like, we're up against the wall. We're at the precipice. We're at the edge of the cliff. We're all going to drop off. We're all going to die tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of what a lot of people feel. Well, listen, I was with a group of people the other day and they were, they were kind of saying something like that. Things were bad. And I, I said something and it was mixed. There's both been women there. And, and I, I didn't want to go too far with this, but I was just trying to open this concept. I said, what do you think it was like to be living in our community a hundred years ago, literally a hundred years ago, and there's no spade or neuter your pets. What do you think that was like, Mike? What do you think it was like that dogs running around and they're, they've not been you know, <laughs> neutered and... Bob Barker wasn't born yet. Yes. Right? <laughs> like, like, and here's the thing is like, uh, and so the woman, one of the women, she's like, oh, I, well, it wasn't that bad. They didn't, there wasn't that many. And I'm like, I didn't want to push it, but like it was super bad and people drowned dogs and drowned kittens is what they did. And like, you know, during the great depression, like they would have oversupply and they'd have, they just cut the throats of animals and oh stuff like goodness. that. I mean, yeah. it was horrific, right? Horrific. If you researched the Galveston hurricane damage and like, they had no way to tell people how bad it was. And like, it, I mean, if you read it, it's just so awful. Yeah. Right. And then you move forward, like, let's go to, like, in the 1950s. People saw this glorified view of the 1950s. Uh, well, let me tell you something. The 1950s, it, it was legal to rape your wife. If a woman got raped by her husband, literally raped by her husband, and went to the police department like my husband raped me, what do you think would happen with that? Yeah, they said like, back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. so, hey, if you're lucky to be married to a delightful guy, you know, life's good. If you get married a guy that turns out to be a sociopath or has narcissistic personality disorder, we didn't even know what those terms were back yeah. then, right? So, you know, I start with like there's a there's a perspective of history and how bad things mm-hmm. were, and in many ways things are significantly better, right? Right. So when somebody's trying to catastrophize a situation, like uh, Mike, if you don't do this, it's it, there's going to be a nuclear war. I I had a woman say to me. Uh, before the last, uh, before the Trump election, she said, uh, if you don't vote for Hillary Clinton, 
I hope you will feel personally responsible, personally responsible for all the bombs to be dropping. That's what she says to me. Well, like you're going to catastrophize something so ridiculous. It's hard for me to take your point seriously. Yeah. yeah. Right. So to me, it's like, look, you know, um, research, like research, you know, pray and then vote, right. And vote the way you feel is the right thing to do. Whatever that is, by the way, I'm not going to try to tell you to vote this or vote that. I'm like, you need to do your own work and and your own mind, make that decision. Like not for me to tell you to do it. And at the same time, whatever happens to the election, man, keep being you. Like, it's like the guy, like time to make the donuts, like you're a business person, keep making the donuts, keep repairing cars, keep selling real estate, keep, you know, you got to keep going on and living your life. I love that. Well, part of going on, part of living the life is seeing young people coming up. And obviously I learned this, you've learned this. Now you've got two kids that are in college. (laughs) Yep. And they're, they're, uh, I, I know that that's a big transition mm-hmm. when you have young people. And I can remember thinking back, this would be back in the early 90s. We had all of our kids at home. And I loved it. I, I love that season. There's this kind of a thought that it's always going to be this way. And boy, I found out that life changes and it's changing for us all. Mm-hmm. And now uh, today, just to give shout out to my oldest daughter, she and her husband are celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary awesome. today. How did I get this old, John? <laughs> you don't look it. You don't oh, look man. it. I'm this old. Oh my gosh. It's a, well, congratulations, Stephanie and Chris. That is so great. What a wonderful milestone. Absolutely. A silver anniversary is a big one. And especially in this day and age, it 100%, is. Yeah. So with young people, all the things that you do, I mean, you you talk to young people. I know this is a big burden for you, isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. To see young people come up. And your business has been in real estate. Right. And you've written a book. I think it'd be good to bring that up right now. Career Builders, Career Killers. Mm-hmm. Did I get that in the right order? Uh, a little dyslexia. There. Oh, okay, <laughs> there you go. Career Killers, Career Builders. That's right. in positive. I get it. Yeah. All right, there you go. So I know that you've written this book and it is really aimed at helping young people realize what is what what is the good, what is the bad, what is the ugly out there. Right. And then to they've got to go through life. They've right. got to go into this because as life goes on, those of us that are getting older, are, these positions that we hold now are going to one day go to somebody else. Right. That's right. Well, you know, Mike, first off is that a lot of times students get kind of generic advice. Like people will say, uh, well, you know, uh, it's important to network, right? Or it's important to have men- mentors, but they don't provide any context. Well, what does networking mean? Like, mm-hmm. how do I find a mentor? How do I have a healthy mentor relationship? What does that look like? It's a lot of times just kind of empty comments, right? So a big thing, like what I've tried to do in that space is give specific actionable items, you know, to do, oh, that's to, good. To do things, yeah. right? And then, you know, there's, there's some truths in life that are somewhat hard to talk about. And like, like an ex- example would be is that, when you have two children in your house that are in diapers, you know, some of that is like really fun and awesome. And some, it's just terrible. It's just <laughs> awful. And, you know, when I say that sometimes I have people have gotten mad at me about that. I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Your experience You're just being so, real. I'm just being real. Yeah. And, and the reason why I say that is like, when I, when I talk to young men with young children, I'm like, look, it gets better. You know, they sleep through the night. They don't need diapers forever. You know, you'll get rest, you know, but we, we sometimes just, 
mock the conversation and then don't allow somebody to have the conversation. Like we find out a friend of ours is pregnant and people will say, well, good, kiss, good rest, goodbye, enjoy all your rest. And like, yeah. how are you helping another human being by saying that? What I'll say to young men is like, look, you have to, you have to learn how to manage rest, like manage it, like track your sleep and learn how to take naps. Like that's practical advice. So when these students, it's like, what is practical advice? So here's another one, Mike. If people look at me and and you've you you've said it before that I've been successful and I appreciate that there's I, that's very kind. If somebody looks at my resume, whether it's personal or it's like nonprofit, like I'm a trustee at two colleges like that, how did that happen? How did my quote success happen? It's been a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, it's not been working, you know, eight thirty to five, I can tell you that. It's been from working like at seven to seven. Many, many big chunks of my life. Yeah. It's been the first guy and the last guy to leave over and over and over again. So there's a reality to that. And then there's a reality to like the potential for burnout or, you know, just making bad life decisions. And so how, how does like, you know, why am I still alive? Right? Like, you know, with all the success, there's a lot of guys like me who didn't make it. They had some intense something happen and they're, they're not here anymore. So why am I alive? And then sharing that and saying, Hey, I had these rates of success. I've had great down, down, dark moments, and I got help, and I went and saw a counselor, and I went and got a CEO coach, and I went, you know what I mean? like. So it's not been the absence of, of struggle uh, or the absence <laughs> of difficult days. It's how you responded right. and what you did yeah. to ca- take yourself out of that. My 18-year-old daughter amazes me because she has a really strong ability to recognize what she's feeling and then articulate it, right? And so it's like when she's going through a tough time, you know it and she can tell you why, which is really impressive. And then she's able to go work on it. Man, a lot of my toys in 30s, you know, I had used to, I used to have terrible back issues and then I had, I had to periodically write ulcers and stuff like that. And those were breadcrumbs. Those were like, you know, my body and, and, and God, I think, tell me like, dude, make life changes. And it forced me to make life changes before something even worse happened. Wow. Right? So, uh, but there were things that didn't come to me naturally. That's why I like really studying mental health and then really being aware of like what I'm dealing with and what other people around me could be dealing with. Right. CEO coaching, you know, again, I still love hearing a great sermon as much as I ever had. That's important. It's part mm-hmm. of my life. And I need to be really, I, I love being in a relationship with people who've been through recovery. I love, you know, the, the amount of my friends who have been through uh, either NA or AA or SA or something like that. Like those dudes have so much wisdom and it's because like they've been through tough stuff. And then, they, you know, they, they say things like day by day or more will be revealed. And that goes back to the topic of hope, right? Like, right. you know what? We don't know everything. Right. So we just got to do today. And then we have, you know, hope that more will be revealed. Well, I'm so grateful you do what you do to give hope to these young people. Your book, Career Killers, Career Builders. It's available. And that's at your website. You have a website just for that, right? I do. I do. It's, uh, you know, crossmancb.com stands for Career Builders. Uh-huh. And so check it out. You know, I'm, I'm available for consulting and public speaking and things like that. And you go out, you do speak at a lot of mm-hmm. colleges. And yep. I know that one of your favorite things from just hanging around you a lot is that you love to do that. You love to see young people catch vision about what's going to be going on, especially I know for you in, in the real estate field. Yeah, well, it's funny. There's a book club at, you guessed it, the University of Florida, and uh, yeah, go Gators. Yeah, and that book club is doing my book, and so they've actually had a company to come in, and I think that's kind of cool because they get to read the book and then they get to meet the author, 
and then uh, and I'm on their advisory board, and so that's kind of a fun interaction kind of thing with kids. But yeah, you know, when you're meeting kids who like like listen, Mike, well, these kids have never made a B in their life, but they don't know how to leverage LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't know how to you know network and go meet somebody, and then also. What happens when the superstar feels depressed, you know, or feels anxiety or the superstar goes for the big promotion and they don't get it? You know, some of those kids have never really, quote, felt failure. They've just had success, success, success. So when you're the super successful, I've told you this before, Mike, if you had an ability to unveil my heart, huge, huge chunks of my career, what I felt like was a failure, right? Wow. And so I had to learn to like, you know, talk that out. And still today, when I have dark moments today, you know, I'll say to my wife, like, gosh, there's sometimes I just don't know that I can do this. And my wife's like, of course you can, you know, and, but that's what I need to hear <laughs> yeah. because there's a darkness in there. And, and, and again, if I don't say it out loud, I could end up like making a series of bad decisions. You know, like, you know, I always joke like, man, so many men just drink a glass of bourbon every night. Why can't I just drink a glass of bourbon every night? <laughs> you know, like, can I start doing that? You know? And so, you know, of course, I could. And of course I'd temporarily feel better, but then guess what? Yeah. The darkness grows. Reality is still going to be there. Yeah. It's going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, well, maybe instead of like having that glass of bourbon, it's like walk the dog. Yeah. You know, call a friend. Yeah. I think, I think that metaphor works. We can't anesthetize into good. Yeah. We've got to get where we are dealing with real stuff and we have to deal with it with the real answer. And, And that's what I love about you. You know that. Well, I, when my dad was with hospice and he was in his last 48 hours on this earth, he was in real pain and they, uh, uh, they gave him morphine and he, he fought with the nurse cause he didn't want to get addicted to it. And the nurse had to be like, Reverend Crossman, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> because, yeah. You know, but we have to remind ourselves like, a, you know, like drugs, like they have a place, right? There's a time and a place right. and there's emergencies, uh, but that's not reality. And, and I think that one of the biggest issues our society faces, Mike, is the volume of people that they they experience pain and they want to go to pleasure. Well, sometimes it's not medicating that gets you there. Sometimes it's feeling the pain mm-hmm. and then making the life choices to get to pleasure. And I that's an it. important life lesson. John, thank you for being with me. Sure. Thank you for being my friend. Yeah. And uh, we just so appreciate the wisdom that God's given you and how you're doing it. Again, friends, the Crossman Conversation the Crossman Conversation CEO edition, both of these podcasts available at theshepherdradio.com, or you can search them out on Spotify and uh, they are, they release on Saturdays. So you can get uh, the latest episodes and uh, find out what and who John's been talking about and with whom. Thank you for being with us today, friends. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike. <music>